You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Greetings, everyone. Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily, episode 1506. Today, we have an excerpt from the weekly Horses in the Morning Horse Health segment. Show hosts Lisa and Jamie chat with Dr. Siemens about the most common horse health emergencies. And we'll get right to our tip after we hear from our title sponsor, My First Horse, your reliable online resource for all things equestrian. For first-time horse owners and new riders, finding the information and support you need can be challenging. That's why Equine Network has partnered with Sentinel and Absorbing to bring you My New Horse. From important horsekeeping information and how-to videos to social media communities, exclusive experiences, and more, My New Horse is your one-stop shop for riders of all levels and disciplines looking for easy-to-understand horse care information and guidance. Start your horse ownership journey today. Visit MyNewHorse.com. So we were going to talk about the five most common equine emergencies, but the note here is... It says that you think that the more accurate title to this piece should be when to freak out and when to just go to bed and hope. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the real answer to that is, and I, I think most veterinarians would agree, is that, is that when you think it's an emergency, then, then we should as well. And sometimes we can triage these things over the phone. Uh, and now with the cell phones, I mean, it's pretty easy to get a, to get a photograph of some of these things. A lot of us are we're pretty busy. And so it's kind of important. I mean, all of our clients, all of our patients are important, but some of them are obviously more pressing, but I just, I just thought it might, it might be interesting to have just sort of a, just a general guideline here to just let people know, because it's, it's pretty interesting. You know, I'll get a call on some of these things and you, you know, you dang, why didn't you call me a week ago? You know, (laughs) (laughs) we we could have done something. So like a lot of things, anytime we have early intervention, uh, and sometimes there's, you know, we take a wait and see attitude. But a lot of times, early intervention will 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 reap some benefits. Now, Doctor Siemens, this has happened with my vet for sure. Um, probably, I probably bother her a little too much. But I will send a text and a picture or a video and say, "What is this? Is this okay? Do you need to come out and see this? Uh, whatever it is, do you also is that becoming more common in veterinary practice?" Well, yeah, it is, and and it's it's kind of a double edged sword. So I. I say that as a suggestion only in given circumstances. Some some practices are so busy that uh, that uh, we're just not able to to get to you like that as quickly as we could. But I, I think that if uh, if a horse owner has a working relationship with a veterinarian, especially if it's a one on one, some of the larger practices that can be a real challenge. But right. if you have a working relationship with your veterinarian, and once once you have uh, an, an established relationship so that he or she kind of knows that you know what you're about. Uh, those types of things can be better addressed either with a quick phone call or, or a, a text message, something like that. Right. Of course. Now, do you guys have cell service in Idaho? Is that like a- <laughs> uh, no, uh, we do have telephones. You got you, you to crank them though. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. <laughs> All right. So, the starting it, let's go with the five most common equine emergencies. What's number one? Well, the most common equine emergency that we see in veterinary practice is colic. And so if, if the horse is not eating, well, then we need to look at these horses right away because it's not generally a, 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 a factor of the horse doesn't like the brand of alfalfa you're feeding him or anything like that. I mean, the horse the horse is going to quit eating. And that's the first sign that you've got a, a – it's called a it's, – it's called a, a – a, 
gastric emergency or uh, something along those lines. And you got to remember the colic is a symptom. It's not a disease. Right. And it can be something as, as simple as just a mild in, fa- in passion. You know, things are just not moving through that 100-foot-long tube that we know of as the GI tract. Or it could be something as critical as an actual twist or a torsion of the bowel, which is going to require, you know, emergency surgery or, or something along those lines in order to try to get that corrected. So that's the, that's the first thing. The horse doesn't have to paw out C-O-L-I-C in Morse code or, or <laughs> look at it, you know. <laughs> there's there's no there's no one thing that's going to tell you other than he's just not eating with his normal vigor and interest. So if he's if he's normally a chow hound and, and he he walks away, or you got him in a group situation where uh, you know you're feeding three or four or five horses and and uh, and then old Buck is off there by himself laying down, that's not a good sign. No. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Yeah, definitely. If I know when I walk outside. It's like they see a big old giant bucket coming at them, you know. Oh, <laughs> you're, exactly. you're, you're, you're the equine vending machine. That's what yes. you are. <laughs> so you're if, the lunch lady. <laughs> if one doesn't eat, that's definitely a warning sign. All right, what's another thing that can uh, be a uh, an equine emergency? Well, probably probably number two on my list is going to be bleeding. And so, uh, you know, if 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 he's bleeding, then we got a problem. Uh, any kind, most of the time, this is because going to be because of a, of a cut or a laceration or blunt trauma, something like that. The uh, the thing that we must understand is that as soon as he starts bleeding, he's infected. Now, it might be a little minor infection. It might be nothing to worry about. But some of the most innocuous-looking wounds can have some of the most devastating consequences. I mean, if you get a very small wound over a joint or a tendon sheath, uh, that that can cause or often will cause an infection that could be a career ending type of a type of an injury. Life so ending, like I these, think too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it can be. I, I like to I like to get on these things as quickly as I can. And again, some of these things are something that we're just not going to be too worried about, but I like to look at all of them. Uh, just because some of them we can suture up, we can, you know, close it with uh with stitches. And some of them we will just leave open. But all of them we want to look at because uh it's amazing what will happen, you know, especially in the wintertime. You've got a bunch of hair covering a wound that looks fairly innocuous. And then once you shave the hair off that wound, you get into something that is a bit more serious than may have looked at, uh, looked like at, at, at your first presentation. Right, right. Absolutely. Well, um, the next most common equine emergency, and this is something that should definitely be uh, a red flag, is your horse won't get up. Typically, he's not getting up because he's he's got a bellyache. That's that's going to be the number one cause. But there can be other other problems that will present the same way. And so I've seen a few of them that that actually had fractures. That uh, it was just too painful painful for them to get up. Right. And you gotta you gotta remember that horse the horse as a prey animal he didn't like to lay down. I mean, he will lay down when he feels really really safe and comfortable. But if there's anything that's even remotely suggestive of a threat, that horse is going to be standing so that he can institute that fight or flight syndrome that, uh, that has kept him alive for these thousands of years. So mm-hmm. if you walk up on your horse, even if he's your horse and he's really friendly to you, typically that horse will get up. And if he can't, then we got a problem. It's typically going to be colic, but it can be something else. So those are the mm-hmm. types of things that we need to consider. Gotcha. Okay. So, so far we've got um, when your horse won't eat, when your horse won't get up, and uh, let's see, bleeding. Now, I did read here that ha- 
tell this is really interesting because when your horse is bleeding, by the way, you think, oh my God, they're gonna die, just gonna bleed out. You know, you've got like a towel full of blood. How much blood is in a horse? Well, it's really interesting. It's you know, a little blood looks like a lot of blood coming out of your horse. You know, I mean, your neighbor's horse. <laughs> nah, I don't worry about it. You know, <laughs> but, but a, ho- a horse has about a gallon of blood for every hundred pounds of body weight. So your 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 average backyard, you know, hay burner is going to have about ten gallons of blood. So uh, he he can lose a gallon of blood, and it's not going to be too much more than you giving a pint at the blood bank. But oh you know, there's there's a couple of things that you got to consider. You know, where where is the source? And uh, it's it's really interesting. You think people call me up and say, "Oh, Buck's bleeding," and and some folks will say, you know, I mean, he is just, you know, it's just a trickle, and you get there, and it looks like they've been killing chickens for a week, you know. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the other guy will call you up and say, oh, you know, uh, you know, it's the horse is bleeding out, and you get there, and there's like twelve drops of blood on the ground. So <laughs> I, I I try not to triage those things over the phone. I just generally I just want to see them just to make sure. But it's, it's uh, the, one of the things that that I think we need to remember is is that the the best way to stop bleeding on these guys is is dry pressure, and so a lot of folks will actually put the water hose on them. Well, what that does is that just washes the clot away, and so mm-hmm. you're you're not going to stop bleeding with a water hose. I mean, it's just not going to happen. And plus, even if it's just a little bit of blood, now you've got 300 gallons of water on this poor horse, and it looks like he's lost 300 gallons of blood. So <laughs> you, you probably want to just just use dry pressure, you know, a paper towel, just your finger, um, any one of a number of ways just to put some dry pressure on that and then just, just leave a wrap on mm-hmm. and until, you know, you can get some veterinary attention. All right. Gotcha. <laughs> Looks like they've been killing chickens for a yeah. week. That's the best one I've heard all day. Um, <laughs> another one would be uh, non-weight bearing, you know, and, and as a vet tech, we would get this. Oh my God, my horse is broken. It's leg. It's standing on the pasture. It can't come in. It's leg. It's broken. You get there and it's an abscess. Is yeah. that <laughs> usually what it is? That is, that is the common presentation. Uh, and, and it's, you know, I've been in practice for low, a little over 30 years, and I've seen, oh, I've probably seen 100 fractures, and I've seen probably 20,000 abscesses, maybe more. Right. And so our, our diagnostic plan here is just a numbers game. You know, if you, if what's what's it most likely going to be? And it's the old adage he told us in veterinary college was, you know, if you hear hoofbeats, don't look for zebras. You know, <laughs> look for horses. It's, <laughs> it's it's the most it's the most common thing because it's the most common thing. And so the uh, but again, you know, just from humane considerations, we would like to to, to afford some pain relief for these horses because an abscess is really painful. That's why yeah. they're basically we call that three legged lame. Because they just they, they're just non weight bearing, but it can be something even more serious than that. And and the other thing to consider is, especially if a horse has had repeated bouts of abscessation or a particularly protracted one, these things are usually pretty easy to resolve within just a few days. I mean, a week, ten days is pretty pretty long for something as simple as an abscess. But if we've got protracted ones or ones that have you know these types of abscess processes that have recurred over time. Uh, a lot of times that will indicate that we've got uh, we've got some underlying pathology in the foot. So I think taking taking a set of radiographs on these horses is probably a good thing to do, just to rule out some major hoof pathology. I've seen some coffin bone fractures and 
and uh, some things like that that, well, you know, just a, a poultice on this is not going to help us. We need to go ahead and just dive a little deeper as far as, as, far as treatment protocols. So if a horse has repeated abscesses, is there anything you can do on a prevention level? Well, you got to figure out what's wrong first, okay? You know, the, our understanding of disease processes is, I mean, it's kind of a silly analogy, but if you don't know what causes pregnancy, you can't institute birth control, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, True. Okay. We got to kind of understand. Yeah, you know what they call people that use the rhythm method of birth control? That they call them parents, okay? So <laughs> it's a, it's a statistical average. So, but you know, you got to understand that that once we understand exactly what's going on on the inside, then we can start talking about treatment and perhaps prevention. Uh, but it, it just it just goes to the diagnostic plan. If they taught us in vet school. It's pretty interesting if you think about it like this. Is is diagnostic is not a concept of of what you don't know. It's what you don't look for. And most of these things are real obvious. I mean, it's just amazing how simple some of this stuff is. But you got to mm-hmm. look for it, and you got to know where to look. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of these non-weight bearing horses, the first thing that a horse owner will think about is it's in his shoulder. But it is almost never in the shoulder in an adult horse. I mean, it's mm-hmm. that shoulder lamenesses are so rare. I, and I, I have to look very long and hard at a horse's foot before I start thinking about moving higher up the limb. And so we're mm-hmm. starting to foot first because that's where it almost always is. And I have to go through some exhaustive measures to convince myself it's not in the foot before we start moving higher up the limb. Wow. Right. right. Well, it's, it's funny, you know, you mentioned being, you have to kind of figure out why, you know, my horse, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Duke, he just all of a sudden came out three-legged lame on one of his back feet and um, had the, the vet out and she found an abscess and, and, then I had the farrier out and she's like, well, there's just no more hoof because he wears shoes in the front, but not in the back. And she's like, put some shoes on the back and he'll stop getting bruises and then he'll stop getting abscesses. And boom, guess what? He's not getting any more abscesses on his hind legs. <laughs> Shocker. Don't so I know. It? I mean, it is some of, some of those things are just, just that simple. And so generally we try to start simple first and then, you know, move higher up once we need to do something more complicated. Yeah, don't trail ride a barefoot horse on rocks. Hey, genius. There's some horses that can do that. You know, God bless them, too. That's really nice to have. But a lot of horses are going to have a little steel on that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. The last one we have, the horse's eyeballs. This one, I tell people all the time, I'm like, call. Well, what do you think? Call. Well, but how about if I just call? Call. <laughs> this is the yep. one thing definitely call, and this is the horse's eyes. Yep, yep. Well, we got you got basically got two kinds of eye problems. You got a goopy eye held open. You got goopy eye held closed or partially closed. And so, a horse is going to demonstrate eye pain by holding his eye closed or partially closed. It'll be kind of squinting. And those are the kind of patients that we need to see right away. Okay, goopy eye held open, uh, that can just be dust, flies, any one of a number of things, conjunctivitis. Horses don't get pink eye per se like cattle do, but they can get some conjunctivitis, which is the technical term for pink eye. And uh, and it's, it's, it can be a bacterial organ, and they will respond to antibiotics. But uh, I don't get too terribly worried about a, a goopy eye with the eye held open. But the closed eye or partially closed that can mean uh, the corneal ulcer, and that's the most common cause of eye pain in horses. But it can also be uh, be an indication of uh, 
something called recurrent uveitis, anterior uveitis, or uh, wound blindness. Mm-hmm. So those are the kinds of things we'd like to do pretty quickly. It's relatively easy to determine whether or not they've got a scratch on their cornea. We use a little uh, fluorescein dye stain, a little green stain. Mm-hmm. That'll, uh, that'll show up if they've got if they've got a scratch. So I like to get on these things as quickly as I can because we 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 just again just from empathy, you know, if you've ever had something stuck in your eye, it, it hurts bad. Yeah, and that's that's why the horse is holding his eye closed. So we'd like to we'd like to be able to get these horses uh, treated as soon as we can because we can see some of these things get so badly that they actually lose uh, lose sight in the eye, and that's that's never good. Uh, but again, some of these, some of these things are pretty forgiving. I, uh, I saw a horse last winter that, uh, came in for an eye that was all the way closed. I mean, you couldn't open this eye at all. So we actually had to do a general anesthesia on this horse, uh, to just go ahead and even do an, do an exam on it. And I pulled a a piece of a tree branch out of the, out of his eye socket. Oh man. uh, Almost four inches long. It was buried <gasps> down in his eye socket. Oh, you, couldn't even, oh. you couldn't even see it. Um, and so oh. it was amazing. It, it did it did really do some serious damage to his cornea, but it didn't rupture the eyeball. So uh, we treated that horse for a few days, and uh, he got to where he was holding his eye all the way open. Uh, got to where he was feeling pretty good. And uh, I, that was oh, six months ago. I saw this horse about two weeks ago. And he's got a he's got a pretty bad cloudy spot on the lower part of his cornea, but uh, he's fully visual. Wow! And so even even some of the some of the worst train wrecks you'll see if you'll just give them a little treatment and some time, uh, it's just amazing how uh, how well some of these guys can turn around. So now, did you yeah. find that on radiograph or just by probing oh, no, around I, I, in there? <laughs> I've found it with my fingers. Wow! <laughs> God! Oh! oh. <laughs> no, it's really amazing. You know, you could spend, yeah. you know, thousands, even millions of dollars on all these instruments. That's the, the guy that the guy that taught me surgery uh, when I was a grad student, of 112 years ago. We were <laughs> we were doing something. We were doing something, and he just, he just stuck his hand inside the surgical pocket because you know we could spend thousands of dollars on surgical instruments, but sometimes there's just nothing can compare to the human hand. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, I just stuck my finger in there and pulled the stall out. It was amazing. I mean, it, oh. it was one of those things. It was like it was like the clowns coming out of the clown car. You know, I mean, this thing just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. Bang! Yeah. When is this going to stop? You know, I mean, oh. I looked at the other eye to see if it was over there too. You know, <laughs> straight across. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was wild, but you know, it just miraculously. I mean, it. And I guess the take home message in all these things is. There's there's no reason to panic. That uh, that you know you just do what you can. And uh, you know one of the guys, one of my favorite professors in veterinary college was also one of the ones that was the the hardest on me. His name was Joe Joyce. There at Texas A&M 100 years ago, and he was really hard on me and picked on me continuously. And he said, Seamus, don't worry about it. No matter what you do, you can't kill all of them. You know. <laughs> so, he had, had the gift of encouragement. It was a spiritual thing. <laughs> wow, warm and fuzzy. So, They they are big, strong animals, and they can survive some of the most amazing things. And so, I mean, I I always want to look at them and just where there's life, there's hope. And you just give them a shot, and it's amazing what they can pull through. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. And that's that's why I love you, because you're talking about these emergencies, and we're making jokes, but 
the root of all of it is the horse that for you, the foundation is the horse's comfort and the horse's health. And I love that about you, Dr. Siemens. Thank you so much for coming on. I it's when I saw your name on the list this morning, I was super excited because we just love having you on. You're so nice. Can I plug my book? Absolutely. Plug your book, plug your business, plug everything. You got time. Go. The book book is never trust the sneaky pony and other things they did not teach me in vet school. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. It it took me about 20 years to write it. And it's, and it's just a lot of practice and anecdotes. Uh, It's kind of like some of the James Harriet books, all creatures, great and small. But uh, Mm -hmm. James went to veterinary college, but he went to that different veterinary college. All of his patients live and all of his clients love him. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I, I went to this other vet school. <laughs> it's, it's available through my website, which is cornerstoneequine.com. And uh, there's just one E between Cornerstone and Equine. And then uh, click, click on the shopping part of the taskbar and you'll get to my book. Perfect. Awesome. Cornerstoneequine.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Siemens. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Well, there you have it. Horse Radio Network has thousands of engaging podcasts for horse people, and you can have them sent right to your phone. Just subscribe via your favorite podcast player. This is Coach Jen, and I will be back again soon with another tip. Until then, go ride your horse. The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements made by guests on the Horse Tip Daily. Please use your own judgment when listening to the tips on this show. <laughs>